As an entrepreneur, you understand the importance of protecting your business. After all, you worked hard to build it. As a proud partner of Startup Canada, TrueShield Insurance understands the startup community's culture and that the insurance needs of every startup are as unique as the brilliant entrepreneurs behind them. Protect your startup with insurance starting from $29 per month. Visit trueshield.ca today. Underwritten by Northbridge General Insurance Corporation. Welcome to Startup Canada Newsweek, your source for news affecting entrepreneurs in Canada. My name is Cyprian Shalankiewicz and today is June 14th, 2016. In the news this week, Communitech has launched an accelerator for women-led startups to boost diversity in the Waterloo tech community. The Fierce Founders Accelerator will provide seed funding and mentorship for 20 early stage companies. A group of 23 VC, financial institutions and corporations have come together in Montreal to form a $100 million fund led by Quebec Corps to invest between $150,000 and $5 million in innovative urban solutions. Startup Canada's volunteers received the highest recognition last week at the Canada Volunteer Awards in the nation's capital. Startup Canada was the recipient of the Social Innovator Award, awarded by Minister of Social Development Yves de Klaus. Longtime CEO of Mars Discovery District, Ilse Turnick, will be stepping down in June 2016, ending a 12-year run as the head of one of Canada's leading innovation hubs. The latest economic impact survey suggests companies associated with Mars have raised $2.6 billion in capital over the life of its operations and earned $1.25 billion in revenue. And the deadline is fast approaching for the Startup Canada Start Tel Aviv competition for women-led tech startups. Visit StartupCan.ca for your chance to join leading startups from across the world on an all-expense-paid investor and ecosystem visit to Israel, the world's leading startup nation. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Storytelling, the journey of real change makers and discovering their impact on the world we live in. And now, broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, Rivers Corbett. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season two of the Startup Canada podcast show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off, that's right, 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.com. 
quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. Do any of our new listeners remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect to support mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. Our guest today is Phil Tellio. He's the founder of the Startup Fest. Today, we will explore how to maximize festivals and conferences to grow your startup. Ah, that's going to be so cool. Why it is important to get in and connect into the startup community and how to bring an idea to life and to create profit and social impact. Wow. Hopefully, we also get to sneak a sneak peek into what's in store for Startup Fest 2016. Phil is a successful Montreal-based entrepreneur who has spun out our successful events like Elevator World Tour to connect angel investors with startups across the world. He also sits on the OSMO Foundations Board and is the president and chair for Montreal's Startup Foundation. Phil, so great to have you. Uh, real pleasure, Rivers. So tell us about your background. I don't know. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Uh, well, I guess I was probably born an entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, you know, something in, in certainly in my genes and in my upbringing. Um, but, you know, my, you know, like most people came out of university, uh, got a job. Uh, funnily enough, in technology, considering I had failed computer science uh, three times as I was studying three engineering. Three times, love it. <laughs> uh, Definitely so a career choice. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I went looking for my first job. You know, I studied civil engineering, so you know, bridges and buildings. Yes. And uh, you know, I met this very passionate woman entrepreneur. Uh. Was, you know, this is pre-internet, and uh, she said, "Look, you know, come and build some virtual bridges with us." And I thought that was pretty, pretty cool statement, and, and uh, joined the team. Uh, but you know, like a lot of people, start out working for uh, you know other tech companies. Um, you know, 90 hour weeks, uh, sweating it along, uh, certainly made a lot of mistakes and learned on somebody else's dime, uh, to then eventually get back into, uh, running my own game again. Oh, that's so cool. Really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it usually is somebody who you connect with along your life that's had that impact to start that journey. So, uh, well, we're glad you did. And you look, uh, we're, we're launching season two of the Startup Canada podcast with, uh, your friend and our friend and uh, Andy Nolman, the founder of Just for Last Festival. And I know he's involved with the Startup Fest in some capacity. We talked about that during our interview. And what, I mean, I learned a lot during the podcast with just that 35 minutes with him. I mean, you're hanging out with him. What have you learned from his experiences? Oh God, Andy is uh, one of those great characters. Uh, you know, we, I think most people find, uh, I guess mentors, I would call them, uh, you know, in this case, uh, you know, a friend who really gives you great advice. Um, you know, I learned so much from Andy. Uh, probably one of the biggest learnings is, you know, the ability to take a risk, uh, and be, be willing to, to make, to, to be looked like the fool if you want. Uh, Andy's got this sort of principle that, uh, you got to jump off of the building and, you know, trust that you're going to grow wings as you fall. He does. Yeah. And, and not hit the ground. Uh, and so, you know, I, that's why I kind of, one of the things I love about Andy is he's a, a real risk taker. He gets up on our stage every year. Uh, he has no idea, kind of very improvisational, uh, in his approach and it always pulls off beautifully. So he inspires me to take risk. Very cool. And is he, so how is he, is he still involved quite intimately with you, uh, in the, uh, in your startup fest? 
Absolutely. He's, uh, he's on our board here at Startup Fest. Uh, he always helps us, you know, keep it uh, real, uh, helps us, you know, define really what's different about us and how to amplify our differences. Uh, he's clearly a, you know, social media, social attention getter expert uh, and, you know, inspires us. You know, we're, we're heavily inspired uh, by the Just for Last Comedy Festival. Uh, Startup Fest happens at the same time. Yes. And as a result, you know, everything we do tries to be, you know, fun, funky and somewhat quirky, always being relevant to, you know, the startup reality and building a business. But, uh, you know, I like to say we, we, we take fun and, and pleasure quite seriously here at Startup Fest. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, I, I, so, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, you know, he's, he's heavily involved in, in helping us craft. And when we have a silly idea, he challenges us. And then other times our ideas are not silly enough and he challenges us to make them even sillier. <laughs> but he takes serious, he takes silliness very seriously. That's one of the things we definitely <laughs> got from him. But so, so um, look, I've been to your festival and it's absolutely wonderful. And one of the things that I absolutely loved and I have used consistently when mentoring people uh, who wanted to connect with me about starting their own businesses is the proverbial explain your business to your grandmother and who came up with that idea and you know has it always been a part of the festival uh you know it, it, can you tell us about that particular section of the journey sure. of your festival because it's so freaking cool <laughs> you know look we you know when we built the startup fest we said you know we got to act like a startup in, in every regards uh, i mean bootstrap from day one uh, no budget uh, just a lot of passion a lot of gut and a lot of hearts and then you know we tried to stay true uh, to you know what we were trying to accomplish which was really supporting entrepreneurs uh, but at the same time we said we have to be different we got to find some elements that just set us apart you know capture attention uh, and, and are you know again somewhat silly but still have some meaning and so you know, in a typical startup conference, you would have judges that are judging startup pitches. And we said, okay, so we're, you know, we're going to need some judges, but can we twist that a little bit? Can we find <laughs> something in addition to the standard, you know, gray hair, balding man uh, judge? And can we add one element to this panel? And so our original intent was, you know, maybe we could add a kid and a grandmother to this panel of, you know, standard judges. Yeah. Uh, and so we innocently sent out this little tweet saying, you know, you know, Startup Fest is looking for. What do you grandma. mean innocently? Now there was no innocence <laughs> behind it. <laughs> uh, the tweet, the tweet itself, I think, was pretty oh, innocent. Oh, right? Okay, cool. We were, look, we were looking for one. Really, we were looking for one person. Okay. But we ended up getting seventy nominations. <laughs> That's beautiful. And, and I say that, you know, I, I've got trouble saying, you know, no to to you know one grandmother, let alone yeah. sixty-nine grandmothers. <laughs> so we ended up. Creating a whole panel, we thought, okay, there's so much interest here. Let's create a panel, and you know, we got some challenges. You know, again, we were just trying to be tongue in cheek. We thought it was extremely relevant that people pitch to you know the fastest growing demographic on the internet at the time. Right. Uh, we thought it was you know, great to get their you know their opinion and their insight. Turns out that the grandmothers we chose, and with 70 nominations, you can imagine most were entrepreneurs. They have you know this you know great ability to have judgment, and so we ended up by creating this whole panel. Well. In the first year we did this, and we've done the grandmother panel since since day one, uh, the first year they chose a company called Onavo out of Tel Aviv. Uh, Onavo went on to get acquired by Facebook for somewhere between 150 and $200 million within like a year and a half of Startup Fest. And uh, it's not the gray-haired panel of judges that chose Onavo. It really was only the grandmothers. Yeah, I mean, I've seen so. it. I've seen it. And there's a, here's the other. There's a lineup for people to pitch to them. 
<laughs> you know, it's become kind of the running joke is that the grandmother's there's no money. When you win the grandmother's prize, it's really just one of these, you know, prizes that you know come with, you know, the ego if you want. Yeah. Uh, but what's what's become clear is that the grandmothers every year choose a company that either gets acquired or goes on to raise anywhere between six million and twelve million dollars within a very short period of time from the festival. So I think people have begun to recognize that grandmothers have the grandmothers, at least that we have, I don't know, all grandmothers, but our grandmother panel judge judges have this very keen ability to choose highly fundable companies. And that is already one measure of success. It's one layer of, you know, on your way to success if you want. Right. So people want to win it because they know it's a, uh, it's a badge of honor they can wear and actually promote when they're talking to uh, future investors. How many, uh, how many of the original grandma gang are still around? I mean, sorry, not death-wise. I mean, are still <laughs> hanging out in the panel. <laughs> not the obituary question. <laughs> they're all around. You know, we've actually grown the panel. I think the first year it was five, and all five of them keep on coming back year after year. You know, honestly, they love it. They, you know, they they're, they're retired in most cases. Sure. Uh, some of them continue to run their businesses, but in most cases, they're retired. They love coming and hanging of out course. with the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, they love the fact that you know people are asking them for their opinion. Uh, that they really have you know some insight to give and, and clearly, you know, judgment to pass. Mm. Uh, so they're all, they all come back year after year. We've added two over the years. Have you? Yeah. Cool. So, um, uh, are you originally from Montreal? I am born and bred. I studied in Ontario, but, uh, came back uh, to Montreal soon thereafter. So now we know why you chose Montreal as the host city. Is that fair enough? Cause it's your hometown. Uh, it is my hometown. Uh, yeah, you know, it was very natural. We didn't choose to set out to, to create, you know, this very large-scale international event. Uh, in the beginning, our philosophy was there wasn't much interaction between, you know, the corporate world and the startup world. And so we just tried to bring together an event which we called, you know, uniting the shirts and the t- the, the suits and the T-shirts. <laughs> and it just started out very innocently. There was no money to be made. Uh, you know, I think we were asking sponsors for like 400 bucks to pay for pizza and beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and yeah, we're doing it here because it's our hometown, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And, you know, over the years, it's obviously grown to now, which is close to 3,000 people and much more structured. Uh, but, uh, you know, we didn't really choose our city. We were in the city. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, I think the city is a huge component of uh, running a successful event. Uh, people, you know, when we call up a potential speaker or international folk and try and get them to come to the festival and we tell them that it's happening in Montreal, uh, it's in summer. Mm-hmm. It, it's a major draw. Mm. Uh, you've either been here and want to come back or you've never been here and always thought you should come to Montreal. So, you know, we like to we like to say that uh, Montreal is one of the important actors in, in our event. And I think in most successful events. Well, it's, it's no doubt about it. It's a class act show. And as I say, I've been there and congratulations on your success So that. I got one quick question and then we're going to segue into a little bit more about festivals and entrepreneurship. But, um, you know, what's the, what's the big mammoth goal that you're, that you've got for, uh, for your festival in say the next three years? You know, we do, there's certainly a few mammoth goals. Our, you know, our desire to continue to grow the the event and the, and the international component of the event, uh, while at the same time maintaining this, you know, highly connected, curated environment where you can still connect with the right people. And so our challenge and the goal that we set out is how do we grow yet maintain intimacy? Mm. Uh, and on, on the other hand, 
You know, we do this investment prize at Startup Festival, and we've done it for the last three years where I bring together 10 angel investors. Uh, I'm one of them. And together we put in, you know, each $10,000 into a pot. Together we choose the one startup out of all the startups at Startup Festival that we think is the, the best one, and we invest our $100,000 in, in that one company. And, you know, what I'm realizing in that process is, you know, there's something to be said about taking very fast decisions an investment. Uh, I'm a big believer in, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's, you know, blink that you can take decisions very quickly as, as well, if not better than, you know, a highly studied approach. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to push that forward over time. I'd like us to have more and larger prizes. I'd like the festival to be in a position to be doing series A investments uh, in companies so that we're a place where not only can you come and meet investors that can, you know, help you grow your business, but you know that by coming here, there's an investment that's definitely going to be made and it's a large scale investment. Very cool. Well, uh, my bet is, is just between you and, uh, and, uh, oh, geez, I've lost his name. That's Andy. Between you and Andy, you're going to make that happen, my friend. Well, um, talk about beers and pizzas and so on. Uh, entrepreneurship can be a pretty lonely road and, uh, you don't know what you're going to get every day when you wake up. Uh, I would say business is, isn't black and white. It's gray. Um, why should entrepreneurs, uh, you know, begin to connect with, Yes, your startup festival. But as you know, Startup Canada uh, has what, 50 plus startup communities now across the country. You know, what's, uh, what's the value prop for entrepreneurs starting up to connect to organizations like yours and theirs? Uh, you know, it, it all depends on where you're at and the spectrum. You know, an event like ours really brings together a lot of components. And so you have entrepreneurs. Uh, at all levels, you know, or stages, I guess, uh, from the very early idea stage all the way through to the, you know, we've raised big money and we're now looking to hire. So, you know, to answer that question, you kind of kind of look at it and say, you know, the early stage entrepreneurs, the value for them is to establish relationships with people that could help them down the line. And you can't do that often enough. And I think I was listening to the podcast with David No that you had done, yep. uh, you know, establishing relationships relationships with you know, potential future investors, potential future hires and stuff like that is really important in the early days. It allows people to track you as an entrepreneur and see, you know, how you're progressing and therefore, uh, you know, be able to attract, you know, the, the best and the brightest, uh, you know, but, you know, these early stage entrepreneurs also need to come to events like ours because it's a great place to uh, pitch your idea a thousand times. And if after a thousand times you get a thousand blank stares, there's a good chance you're not doing the right thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and and the opposite is also true. If you know you speak to a thousand people and everybody loves what you're doing, you're probably on the right track. So it's a great place, you know, any event, you know, whether it's Startup Fest or, or any of the other bigger events or even smaller meetups, they're great opportunities to test your ideas in a you know very informal, easy fashion. It really doesn't cost you much to go to a meetup, if anything, and you know, pitch and get advice. Um, and then you've got the later stage startups that are really there, you know, they need to connect with investors. And so you can't do that purely at a distance. Yes, you can go and meet one investor at a time. It's a much longer process than going to an event where you know you're going to meet the top 10 investors, you know, in our case, say across Canada and the Eastern Seaboard primarily. But you know that you're going to be able to meet everybody in a very short period of time and see who's interested and who's not. And for that matter, you get to sort of play one against the other right out of the gate. 
Uh, and then when it comes to the later stage startups, events are necessary places for them to come to identify the talent that they ultimately want to be scooping up, either through, through mergers and acquisitions or, you know, a lot of these startups don't succeed, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, but a lot of them don't succeed. But that doesn't mean there isn't great talent uh, in these organizations. And actually, there usually is great talent. And so the later stage startups are there to figure out, you know, who are the people they would hire if they're available? Uh, and then, of course, make them some offers. So I think there's a bunch of reasons. you know. And, and I just talk about the entrepreneurs, but I think the investors, and, and depending what type of investor, you know, you also have a lot of reasons to come to these things. Um, but now my, my answer is probably getting a little bit long-winded, so why don't I break it there? And now we're <laughs> at the end of the show with <laughs> Phil Telio. It started about four days ago <laughs> when he answered this question. <laughs> I thought you all the time. Feel free to cut I'm teasing you, man. It's uh, it's it's valuable information, and but let's kind of tie into and, and it wasn't long, by the way. Andy's interview was days, <laughs> and I mean D A Z E. <laughs> yeah, he's very interesting to listen to. Yeah, you know, so was, I'm sure people have no problems listening to that one. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, and they're going to have any problem listening to this one either. But look, <laughs> you talk about networking, and and uh, here's a here's a uh, you know the question is kind of twofold. Uh, a lot of times entrepreneurs are introverts and get uncomfortable in crowds and so on. And so uh, I guess one, do you say to people that are like that, uh, better freaking get over it real quick because you need to do it. Or do you say, okay, based on the fact that you're an introvert, this is my advice to you for networking. Uh, yeah, Sorry for networking. Yeah, you know, get over it is not a piece of advice I, I give people often. I think that's dismissive to their reality. You know, people are shy or nervous for a bunch of reasons. Uh, sometimes more often than not, it's that they don't interact with people. You know, networking is a, a skill that you develop. And so when you start the process, I, of course you're nervous. The first time you do your elevator pitch to somebody, you can barely hear yourself. Right. Uh, and so, you know, practice makes perfect, clearly. Uh, so, you know, I try and tell people that the more often they do it, uh, the better they're going to feel about it and the less, you know, it forced it's going to feel. But at the same time, you know, people need to be themselves, uh, so you can't pretend that you're this great speaker, you know, ideas maker, if you're not. Right. Uh, right. Because over time, that's going to, you know, your, your true self shines through. Uh, but, you know, there is something to be said for being in a room full of people all doing the same thing for you to feel comfortable. Uh, getting out of your, you know, proverbial basement uh, where you will always stay sort of shy unless you're in front of an avatar. Uh, and so getting in front of real people is the best way to do that. And then, of course, at events like ours, you know, look, having a beer or two is going to relax <laughs> <Yep>. you. <laughs> don't, don't hold back. Uh, don't get wasted. But uh, feel free to have a glass of wine and start to, you know, feel the vibe. And you set it up very nicely in that event. The last one I was at was the big white, uh, I'll call it the big white tent with the with the cool, uh, with the cool uh, furniture all around it. And then there was uh, this puzzle thing that was coming together to create a picture. Anyway, it was really cool. So you you do a very good job with that. Yeah, you know, again, we're, we're we are a festival, so. Right. 
you're going to come, you're going to learn, you're going to get connected and all those wonderful things that you would expect uh, at an event. Uh, but at the same time, we start serving beer around 11 a.m. <laughs> and uh, we expect you to hang out in the hammocks and the bean bags and really, uh, you know, shoot the shit. You get it, man. So uh, let's talk about your team. Um, when you're recruiting for uh, a team, you know, where do you, uh, where do you look, first of all, and, uh, and how do you retain them and build such an awesome culture? So, you know, well, culture is probably one of the key words. You know, I probably have a slightly different path. And the reality is, is my, my team growth has been very organic. I'm extremely lucky that everybody on the team is here. You know, they, mm. they've, they've, they've come in, we've added over the years, but nobody's really gone away. Uh, we have worked with some independents in the past. Obviously, they don't still work with us. But generally, the core team is the same team over and over again. Uh, you know, I think the secret, obviously, is, you know, we're a small team. We, we run through some very intense moments. We need to count on each other. And so that camaraderie, that sense of camaraderie and that everybody like everybody is really essential. You can do that with a small team. So I don't actually hire on my own. Mm. Uh, it, it's a group effort. And if for any reason anybody on the team doesn't feel comfortable with somebody, there's no way we're going to add them to the team. Uh, so it really is for us hiring is a team sport. We know what we're looking for, but generally we're looking for good people because there's more things to be done than we could ever do. And so we don't classically go out and look for a very particular person with a very particular set. We look for great people that can do a bunch of stuff. And, uh, and so, you know, relying on my team to judge the character and quality of the other, you know, new team members is, is the essential part of it for us. Well, the folklore is my friend is that, uh, is that you put together the first one in four months. Is that fair? Say, is that folklore true or false? Oh, the start, the startup fest. Yeah. You mean the startup fest? Yeah. No, it, indeed. I was sitting on a lake in February. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know. It's one of those moments Wait where minute, you, you're sitting on the lake. Was it frozen or not frozen? It was, it was a fro you know, you know, February in <laughs> northern Quebec. It, yeah. it, was, it was quite frozen, <laughs> Thick, thickly frozen at that. Uh, but, you know, it's in those moments of repose, in those moments where you're not uh, intensely thinking about something, uh, that sometimes the, the the brightest sparks of creativity come to you. And so uh, it was kind of in that moment in February, and then I guess March, April, May, June, July. So, you know, four and a half months later. And, and so, Andy, that was one of the things, you know, when I came up with the idea of running the festival, I went to see three people, Andy being one of them. Yeah. And I remember Andy saying to me, you're crazy. There's no way you should do this in four and a half months. You should do it in 16 and a half months. So in a year from now, plus the four and a half months. But, uh, you know, in the startup mentality, I said, no, 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 time will be a killer. Time will waste money. Time will, you know, too many things can go wrong over that period of time. If we do it in four and a half months, whatever can be done will be done. Whatever doesn't happen wasn't meant to happen. And that's it you know, leave it at that. Yeah. And then, you know, our first event was a thousand people. So we were pretty happy with the end result. Uh, so it's, it's not folklore. We really did start it. It really did uh, happen. Yes. One yes. brief idea. And he, uh, he tells and then, a little different twist to it, but I wanted to test the, the, whether the, the reality of Andy's truth and that the guy who started just for laughs, but I, uh, I, why I asked the question, my friend, is that the way you just talked about building a team and retaining a team is very strategic. Now, what about that? first 
time. How did you bring together a team for that? Because there's a lot of people, it's I want to get this startup going and let's make it happen. And building a team is the biggest mistake they usually make. They grab people that are all like them and they say, let's make it happen. And of course, it ends up being a, a total freaking catastrophe. How did you do it with that first four months with your team? Uh, well, I think the most, you know, the best hires come through referrals. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, unlike what you just expressed, my philosophy is there are things that I don't know how to do or that I can't do or that I don't want to do. And I want to find great people to do those things. Mm. And so, you know, in those first, you know, okay, we launched this idea, we're going to do something in four and a half months. And about two weeks in, it was very clear to me that I could not be doing this alone. Uh, and just having, you know, advisors around me to, to help was not going to work. Uh, so it's really our, our first content chair, Alistair Kroll, uh, who I called up and I said, look, you know, you're a really smart person. Uh, you know, lots of people you're out there in the market and this is what I need. And he happened to say, well, you know, my sister is, uh, you know, a, an actress or actor, I think you say now she's an actor and, uh, she's really good at organization. She happens to have these great skills. And so anything from, you know, managing the speakers or managing the PowerPoint presentations that were going to come in, she could do a bunch of stuff. She's really super well organized. Uh, my immediate instinct was fantastic. I mean, to have, to be able to hook and lock Alistair in because his sister was working with me <laughs> seemed like a, a brilliant strategy. <laughs> she, turned out, she turned out to be honestly vastly better than Alistair ever painted her uh, to be uh, to this day. She's our, our general manager and manages a whole bunch more now than just PowerPoints, as you could imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and so it all started there. And then really, you know, the next hire came through Rebecca. You know, we were looking for somebody to do some of our bookkeeping stuff. And, well, she had another actor friend. You know, maybe there, there's actually a pattern here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think, know if you've noticed it, but I have. <laughs> I, I think actors really make phenomenal <laughs> event organizers yeah. and planners because they really get this notion of the show must go on. You know, you're on stage acting and, and something falls or somebody forgets a line. Yeah. You have no choice. You got to continue marching forward. Yes. And the same stands true, I think, for events. And so, yeah. uh, you know, we got a great team here. Yeah. Honestly, it's uh, we have a lot of fun. We really enjoy ourselves, and, and I'm blessed to to be able to to do something that I really love with a group of people that I really enjoy. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, look, you've you've gone global with the company, and uh, um, when you did that. What were some of the unexpected challenges that uh, that you ran across, and and what were what were obviously then some of the biggest lessons that you that you that you learned? You know, so our global strategy was really an intent to continue to promote uh, the startup festival here in Montreal, and so we thought, well, the best way for us to go out and meet communities and, and bring them into Startup Festival was to run events in their cities. I mean, we were event people. It's not like we had this big grand marketing strategy and spend tons of money in the press. Why don't we go and connect with the communities locally, uh, get known? And so we, we took one little element of Startup Festival, which was, you know, our elevator pitches and in, in physical elevators. And we said, well, why don't we, we spill that out? And why don't we make that even more spectacular? We'll only do the most impressive elevators in the most impressive cities. And so, you know, we did a search on the internet and that was relatively easy to find the tallest buildings in the most impressive cities. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think one of the things I, I learned in that process is the best laid plans 
uh, are never exactly what you you know kind of you know going to get out of it. You know, each culture is certainly very different, and you know, startups are startups, yes, but startups in Tel Aviv are quite different than startups in Toronto or or Montreal. Um, you know, so we had put together this list of you know the ten cities we wanted to get to, and you know. For me, the sum, the the tenth city we were going to do was going to be the Eiffel Tower <laughs> because that is the absolute most recognized tower in the world. And if we can if we can get them to let us use one of their elevators to do elevator pitches in their elevator, we'll know that we'll have done our job. Uh, and so they actually called us after we had done the event in Tel Aviv and said, uh, "We'd like to give you the Eiffel Tower." Uh, they didn't charge us for it. Wow. They, they really opened their arms and they said, you know, we care about uh, promoting innovation and entrepreneurship in Paris. And, you know, it's a great event, gets lots of media attention. And so we want part of that. And did the connection to Montreal help you? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Uh, because it really came about because we had done Tel Aviv. Okay, cool. And that was one of the things that was, you know, when we decided we were going to do these, we, we did our beta test. Again, we, we run everything here like we're a startup. Sure, so sure. the first elevator event we ran was in Toronto. Uh, I mean, it had obviously the CN Tower. Mm. So we had that spectacular building and that spectacular elevator with a party room at the top. Um, but uh, then we said, okay, well, you know, what, what city should we do next? And we kind of chose Tel Aviv because it, it felt it was, first of all, probably the number two startup city mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also felt very far away. It felt very international. We knew that by doing that, we would really sharpen our teeth on the international scene. Needless to say, there are plenty of people that said we were absolutely crazy and should not attempt to run an event in Tel Aviv <laughs> because there are so many events. Uh, and so I guess part of the lessons learned there as well is that, you know, people will always stop you from trying to achieve very difficult goals. Uh, and it's blowing through those sort of barriers and saying, look, you know, I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to fail. Uh, I really believe this is the right thing to do and just continue to charge forward. Um, you know, I think we were a little bit naive also with regards to the various cultures and how people would react and, you know, events like ours are run on things like sponsorship and ticket sales. And well, it turns out that, you know, people in Tel Aviv don't like to sponsor nor buy tickets. (laughs) And you could end up in jail if you actually try to do that. (laughs) You have to be very creative in our approach. Yeah, there's, (laughs) don't buy tickets. So the exact way in which you make money was not allowed in Tel Aviv. (laughs) You know, and now we sit, you know, we're in the process of negotiating with other towns and other cities like Hong Kong and stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's very clear that each culture is different. <laughs> and you cannot have enough background information on that culture, you know, ahead of time. You really need to go in and do a little bit of research, truly understand. The best way to do it, look, the beautiful thing about the startup community is it's generally like across the board, globally, extremely generous, full of people willing to share and, and partake. So, you know, you call up a couple of people before you call up the big guns and really get a sense of what's going on in that community. Mm. Uh, it's probably one of those, those important lessons. <laughs> call the mayor. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Well, look, we're, uh, we've got, uh, we're, we're, we're coming close to the end of this and I got a couple more questions and, um, and they're important ones. And, uh, so, uh, what a, what a great joy this conversation has been. Um, congratulations. First of all, you, uh, you, uh, won the startup of Canada award at the CN tower, uh, where all the festivities were. So congratulations on winning a startup Canada award. That's awesome stuff. And, uh, along that, uh, one of the one of the um, 
reasons you won that is because you've been a champion for entrepreneurship in the Quebec startup community. Um, can you, can you give us a sense as to throughout the years, you know, how have you seen that, that uh, community, that startup community, entrepreneurship community evolve in uh, Montreal? I mean, it's, uh, it's astounding how quickly it's grown. When we started this five years ago, I guess at this point, uh, the word startup, was really not part of the vernacular. First of all, here in Quebec, we have this particular you know thing called language, and you know the word startup right out of the gate is Anglo. So there was no, there, you know, how dare a, you? <laughs> we had organizations here trying to figure out what we call these things for the first two years of the real startup sort of hype cycle. If you want, we didn't even call them startups here because, well, you know that that was an Anglo word. Right. Uh, no, but you know, all, all kidding aside, you know, it really was a very small uh, community. It was tight knit, uh, but it was small. And there was very little government support because they really didn't get this notion of startups and stuff like that. Now, what's happened through this process, and, and I would imagine that we've had some role to play in it, you know, as, as creating this sort of marquee event around startups is, um, you know, there's been a, an awakening certainly at the policy level. And that, right. that's fantastic. Right. But, you know, look, you know, startups in the world uh, have become extremely fashionable and the mm. growth of the number of startups in every community has grown. But Montreal's has really taken a very fast clip. You know, we went from not being included on reports when you, we talked to, you know, the global community of startups and Montreal wasn't even on the list uh, to like three years later, you know, at least being on that list and, you know, growing very rapidly. Mm. Um, so I'm impressed at the numbers, you know, we've got a lot more money now in the system. I remember three, four years ago, that was the big complaint. There's not enough local money to get these things started. Uh, the government's got in behind it. Uh, private money got in behind it. You know, organizations like Inovia, you know, raised serious funds to, to invest here. And so it really gave all the fuel necessary. Uh, and then, you know, the other particularity here is that we have this very sort of multicultural, you know, environment. And therefore, everybody comes in with new ideas and different ideas and, and ability to build applications for specific markets, but also, you know, a view on the global scene. So I'm really bullish on the on the Montreal scene. I think, you know, we always talk about the, the heightened value of real estate in places like Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doubling down on real estate here in Montreal because I, I think uh, Montreal is going to have a serious rise over the next five to 10 years. Yeah, well, there's some cool stuff happening. There's great, uh, there's great energy is what I, I uh, love about what's happening with Montreal. And um, I'm sure you're aware of the startup Montreal leader, Noah Redler. He's just a great uh, advocate for what's going on in Montreal too. So congratulations on, on all that stuff. And uh, I want to close with, um, we talked about uh, maybe getting some hints as to uh, some special stuff that's going to happen at your startup festival in July of this year. Can you give us some uh, some previews of some cool things that are happening that might not have been there for when I, guys like me were attending in the past. Yeah, sure. You know, we we have we kind of have this idea that you know what, what works, don't fix it. You know, what doesn't work, kill it. You know, what is working, augment it and add to those elements. So, you know, I mean, needless to say, we're going to have new content. I mean, we've got new speakers every year. Uh, this year, we've got a couple lined up. I know this is probably coming out a little bit later, but we've got Alexis Ohanian, one of the founders, uh, co-founder of Reddit. And we've got Tim O'Reilly from O'Reilly Media coming in, as well as a bunch of other really fantastic people. But, you know, the elements that we did last year that worked really well, you know, we 
said, okay, we're running the startup fest for early stage companies. You know, should we run an accelerator festival, an event specifically dedicated to directors and managers of accelerator programs? And that pulled off really well. Cool. You know, that pulled off well because we gave them content they wanted, but it also gave you know them a reason to stick around to, for the festival and drive more value to the startups. So one of the things we're going to do this year is we're adding a bunch of these smaller festivals around the different stages of investment. So we've got an angel festival plan this year, obviously for angel investors. We've got a an accelerator festival again. We've got a fund festival for LPs and GPs. And then we've got another mini event that we're running for founders that are at scale. And so, you know, one of the big values of Startup Fest is we bring in a wide swath of the startup community, but there are certain areas that we want to augment, and that's on the investor side, as well as on the startups that are really in this process of scaling today. They have fuel in the tank, but they need to get to that next step. Uh, you know, other things, you know, we're planning a bunch of, you know, we, we always change sites or practically, so people can always expect to be impressed with some new venue. Great. Um, yeah, and there'll, there'll certainly be tons of, of new things, you know. A lot of our audience comes back year over year. So we, uh, we recognize the importance of staying fresh for those that have been here five times already. Phil, what's your favorite festival that you've ever attended besides your own? Um, you know, in the tech sector, certainly I would say, uh, you know, South by Southwest, uh, they've got something very particular going on there. I've been to a lot of the, the, you know, festivals, yep. um, but they have some specific vibe there. That's just different. It's not about in their case, going to the conferences. It's about connecting with people and having beers at all hours of the day and night. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it is a cool place to be. They come up to Startup Fest, the South by Southwest people do. We go down there, and so it's a very collaborative uh, approach. Uh, and so we like them a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Phil Tellio. He's uh, just an incredible, incredible entrepreneur doing magical stuff throughout the planet. The founder of Startup Fest on how his approach to leadership has helped him build a global entrepreneurship community. My new friend, I'm coming back this summer. I just made a note of it. I'm going to be hanging out at your festival this summer, and uh, I can't wait to be there. Thank you so much for being on the show. A real pleasure, Rivers. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars. That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. 
I just love what's going on with fintech. I really, really do. I, you know, the, I, I can just imagine the conversations that are happening now in the in the in the senior boardrooms of the banks of uh, what's going on. That oh my gosh, they're not going away. So, quick, can you share with us what you know about the fintech environment in Canada that's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think fintech uh, in Canada in particular is really exciting. Uh, you know, Canada is dominated by really five key banks, which is unique, uh, especially to North America. Um, so those banks are not really able to move nearly as fast as any fintech company would. So I, what I think you're seeing now is you're seeing banks realizing that it's better f- instead of fighting it, it's better if they actually partner and uh, and acquire uh, fintechs and really work with them uh, and then provide their own customers a better experience. So it's definitely an exciting space across the country. Uh, and uh, Vancouver in particular, a lot of good fintech stories coming out, out of here. And uh, we think we're, we are one of them. Yeah, well, what is it with Vancouver anyway? I'm uh, It really has got amazing, uh, I'll call it uh, ecosystem, that's an easy word, but just the, you know, there's a ton of diversity, there's a ton of movement, there's a ton of energy, the culture is just so electric in that whole area of entrepreneurship, you know, what what is it with that anyway from Vancouver, what's, what's the deal? Uh, I think it may be a combination of our of our of our location, you know, being located by the ocean and uh, surrounded by mountains. People are really inspired by that. So it's definitely a certain lifestyle here on the mm. West Coast that's mm. different, probably from other parts of Canada. And um, I think you know our proximity to Seattle and the Valley, uh, you know, uh, same time zone. There's a lot of good things happening down there, and uh, and those companies are coming up here. Like Microsoft just opened up a new office here. Amazon's up here. Um, so yeah, Facebook's up here. So there's a lot of good things happening in the valley, and it's spilling over uh, to Vancouver. Yeah, and do you think that the do you think that that's that's happened? I, I, as I, I keep referencing further earlier conversations, do you think that that's happening because it's getting too busy in the valley, and the and the residents there are saying, you know, I I don't want to be here anymore because it's not what it was when we started, and they look up north and they see this uh, this ray of sunshine in Vancouver the west and uh, they say that's 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 a cool place to go because it's what it was when we started in the valley a long time ago yeah, I think there's multiple factors. One of our advisors is actually the former VP of talent at LinkedIn, and he shared some of his his stories about recruiting in the Valley, and it was just in, incredible. Like uh, being located, for example, LinkedIn was right was right beside Google, and it's mm. tough competing against a company that really has endless amounts of money. So mm. uh, that's I think talent's definitely one of them. The the uh, the exchange rate definitely helps as well, and I think also there's uh, there's been some issues in the U.S. when it comes to visas uh, and getting and getting the talent that's required. So all Mm. those factors are kind of working in our favor. 